Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise, Lord. We, we, we know we have you, and we are dependent on you, and we thank you that we don't have to search for you. You are here. You are with us. And so we give ourselves to that. We yield ourselves to that. We say, Lord Jesus, you live through us, see through us, speak to us, pray through us. We thank you, Lord, that we are not our own, that we are bought with a price. We give you thanks for this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Maybe you can work a little bit on the sound in the back. It's a little bit kind of ringy or twangy or something kind of a, a kind of vibrates, whatever the vibra vibrato. You may be seated right now. Let's just lower the vibrato a little bit. Well, I'm excited to see you all uh, for our volunteers on Friday. It's going to be good. Pastor Nathan and Megan, they are back late tonight. Be here. He'll be here in the office tomorrow morning. And, but they've been on a much deserved holiday and uh, so today we're believing for God to touch people and I want to share something that will encourage you that will help you that'll benefit you I want to make an announcement I made it in the middle of my message this morning that uh, five weeks from now we are planning to open the gospel library and study center that is being constructed over in this part of the building and uh, uh, that will be September 22nd. We expect to open that. Could even be earlier, but I think we have plenty of time. A lot of work has been done already. We have the largest uh, media company in Toronto working with us. There's going to be some multimedia stations there, and there's a lot of work. So I hope, you know, all, all the infrastructure will be there, but there's other things. At least we'll have most of that done. We'll have a a goal is a 1,500-volume library, so not really large, but I'm personally handpicking every one of those 1,500 books. You know, I've read a lot of books in my life. In fact, a few years ago, I threw away 1,000 books. I thought, I'll never look at these again. I just sent them, you know, on the recycling, and I still got so many thousands left after that, <laughs> you know. Uh, are you with me? Yeah. I just couldn't handle them all. Sometimes, you know, people, preachers have come and say, oh, here, here's all my books. I never asked for them, but they give them to me. So I just put them on the shelf, and I said, I'm never going to read what this guy said. I'm going to get rid of it. So, because, uh, you know, every time you move, you have to carry it all. It's just too much, all right? So I'm going to handpick 1,500 books. Uh, I hope we'll get close to it by the uh, opening. I will definitely need some reference materials, because we want this going to be study stations in there. Not only are we going to have a lecture hall where we'll have teaching, it'll be a beautiful uh, teaching room there, but we'll also have some individual study centers. People can come throughout the day, upload the various courses and studies we have, and they may also want to use the, the library there. So if you have any ref regular reference materials, we could use some of those, and you may want to, if you want to, you don't know what, Maybe you have them stored away somewhere, not being used. Bring them in. <laughs> we'll probably use some of them. All right, so that's going to happen in five weeks from now. The purpose of it is this. Uh, you know, I've spent a lot of my life training. I've trained over 380,000 pastors and leaders. I think it's about 382,000 in a lot of different countries. So a lot of my energy has gone into that training pastors and leaders. We have 3,500 who have graduated from our World Impact Bible Institute. But now in September, we are launching the Global Gospel Institute. And that is not a Bible school in its physical location, it's online so that we can get material in, in many languages, Russian, Chinese, Philippine, Tamil, 
uh, Urdu, Swahili, uh, a, a host of languages so that we can train people all over the world. Because uh, I felt the Lord speak to me in 2018 that we would expand in 2019. We have expanded a little bit, not that much yet, but we are expanding much more. And the purpose of this is to train up workers, but not only to train them up, but to launch those workers into their opportunity of ministry. And so I would be doing this kind of my whole life. I have a number of people who were trained. You know, you've had people, when Anthony Greco came and preached here, he told you how he, the first sermon he ever preached, I wrote his sermon and gave it to him, preach this, I said, it'll work. And now he's, he has a great church, but he also can have great campaigns. And, and so I've been doing that, but now we want to do it on a much bigger scale to raise up a lot of workers uh, to be able to do what I'm doing. Many people don't know how to do what I'm doing, and it's so simple I can do it in my sleep. They don't know how to communicate the gospel to Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists. They just don't know how to do it. They just know the Christianese. They only speak, they don't speak Chinese. They speak Christianese, you know. They speak hallelujah language. That's all they know, church language. <laughs> but uh, that doesn't work, you know. So... Uh, I, I'm raising up people to do that. And that's what the Global Gospel Institute is about. That's what this special library will be about. There will be all kinds of training. I will bring in teachers from time to time to give seminars, and you can attend those. We'll record them. They will become a part of our video library. We have a very large, impressive screen there in the classroom, so there can be live teaching or video teaching. And, um, and also it's going to reactivate World Impact Bible Institute so that we do have a place here in Canada where people can train for World Impact Bible Institute, just like we have a campus now in, in Burma. We have one in Tanzania, one in Kenya, and one in Indonesia. So we want to, actually one in Ethiopia as well. Uh, but we're not fully responsible for that. They're just using our material, and we're happy about that. But the other ones we're fully responsible for. So we want to kind of activate all of that, raise up workers to, to because we believe with almost 8 million people in the world, uh, we, we need to be serious about sharing the gospel. We are living in a world where there's many, many voices vying for attention. Many people want your attention, and I want your attention too, so I'm not excluded myself, but we believe your, the attention for the gospel is good. And so we're training up workers to do this. I'm doing that. You know, uh, uh, Dean Morris, our own uh, pastor, he's now over in the youth service next door here, so that's why he just went, went out for a moment. He is a very skilled preacher. He preaches, he's preached to youth his whole life, but that's one thing. Preach a Sunday morning sermon, that's one thing. To stand up in front of 10,000 Muslims is a different thing. It's a different thing. Most pastors, they get shaky in the knees when you tell them to do that. So you train people. I train people to do that. But he was a gifted communicator. There's nothing wrong with it, but I'm very gifted. As you know, and we love Brother Dean, don't we? I love him when he's preaching. His illustrations just, whoa, I, I, I can't wait. What's he going to come up with next? Help me. Isn't that great? Come on, give him a good hand when he's not here now. Oh, come on, do real good, okay? So I can tell him. I'll tell him after the service. We all clap for you, Dean, okay? So then he said, well, he'll be, he'll be all excited about that. He wasn't even here. But how many enjoy that, right? You, you enjoy that, okay? So that's good. Now, uh, Jacob is another one that I'm currently training. And he, he's totally different. He didn't want to speak in public. He always said, I can't do it, I can't do it. So he held his first campaign less than three months ago. And this morning on the way into the service this morning, literally at 1029 here, I was just literally standing in the doorway, walking into the hallway. I looked at my phone and I received a video from Jacob because he has just conducted his second campaign. This is the guy who was very different than, than Dean. He, 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 he just didn't know, you know, 
didn't feel he could do it. And, uh, and so here is, let, let's just show that video. It's just off of the phone, so it's you know, not a high quality video. But watch it, if you have that, just press that there. Hello, this is Jacob here from World Impact Ministries. We have just finished the last service here in Maputo Jaya. Thousands of people has come out and received forgiveness of sins and hundreds have been healed. Just look at the stage right here. These are the people that have been healed. So many people, we can't even count them all. We don't have time to go over all the testimonies. It's late into the night, it's 10 p.m. right now. We started at 5 p.m. and the healing testimonies are continuing still. And I wanna thank all of you who's made this possible. Thank you for allowing me uh, to preach right here. And as you can tell, my, my voice is totally shot. But God has done something great in this city. So thank you so much, World Impact Ministries. We love you. And from Maputo Jaya, everybody say hallelujah. So that came in. You know, there's a time difference where he is. is about 13 hours ahead of us. So by the time they had already finished the servers there, about half an hour before we started here. And so now Jacob is just one of the people. Now, how is he doing this? He doesn't have the money to do this campaign to rent the stadium. I always tell my, these people, whether it's Dean or anybody, I said, you need to raise some money yourself. I'm not your sugar daddy. I said, you believe God yourself? No, they have to believe God themselves. I said, I want you to, are you a giver yourself? Are you a giver? Right, Dean? Did I tell you that? You better be a giver. I can't work with me. I, I, I don't trust people who don't give to God. If you're cheap with God, you can't work with me. I don't care how gifted you are to preach or teach. If you're cheap, with God. Don't, don't come here. Are you with me? Yeah. Amen. I mean, we fly in airplanes that shake a lot. I want to be there with Titus. I want to be there with people who are, who are cheap with God. Are you with me? I want to be flying with people who are doing good. And so, with Jacob now, what's he preaching? Well, you know, I told him, preach my sermons. Just preach my sermons. So I gave him my sermons. Well, you listen to me. He's been to many of my festivals, so he preaches what I preach. Probably the first night he preached Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what I preached the first night. So I said, just preach that. My sermons come with lifetime guarantee. And they will work in every culture. <laughs> and, and, and so he's doing that. He's just doing that. That's what I did. You know, I felt bad. When I was started out, I was 19. I was reading a book by Oswald J. Smith, his life story. Oswald J. Smith is a pastor here in Toronto. He's the only Canadian I'd ever heard of because I wasn't born in Canada. I only had heard of Oswald J. Smith. He wrote a book called Not Made for Defeat. He talked about how he started. He said, I just preach other people's sermons. I didn't have any on my own, so I just took other people's sermons. And I prayed them into my spirit, and then I preached them. So that I thought, well, that's what I'm going to do. So that's what I did when I was 19. I took some of the best sermons I'd ever heard, and I preached them better than the guy who preached them in the beginning. By the time I got through with it, I, I thought, anyhow. And then, of course, you get your own, right? Amen. It's, it's, you know, so I said, these, these things work. So, I'm, we now, so, so now we have these two. Uh, Dean will be having a campaign very soon in Indonesia. And, and so we, we're, that, that's right there. There's three of us. Now there's about three more ready to come on. And they're going to come from different parts of the world. And we're training them. Some of these are people I've trained a lot. Now we're going to train hundreds because we want uh, to, 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 to see the world have this beautiful discovery of God's love through Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's what they're doing. Dean is doing the same thing. He's, he's such a good Dean. We all, he, he walked back in the service now. We all clapped for you when you were gone. We were talking about what a great communicator you are, what a great preacher uh, you, you were. Uh, now we, cl we can clap, clap again. He just walked back into the service. He's a, so they all clapped for you. But I said, uh, even in spite of that, 
uh, preaching youth and preaching Sunday and preaching conferences is different from preaching to, to, to uh, people from a non-Christian religion. So he, he's learned that. He, he knows how to do it. He can, and he can teach others. And that's what we do. Paul said to Timothy, you know, uh, teach what you've learned. Give it to other faithful people. And they'll give it on to others also. They just keep passing it on. Everybody say, pass it on. So that is exactly what it's doing. And this is very fresh now. And we expect more. I expect to, to, to we're going to personally help people. And so I said, he had to, I said to him, now you raise some of your own money. Go and talk to your friends. Raise some money. You have to learn to believe God yourself. And then I say, well, then we know it costs more than what you're able to raise. So I'm going to get the partners of World Impact Ministries. They, they will give offerings and I will have faith with you. So I'm believing in him. I'm believing in him. So, so most of what you saw there, we paid through the general fund of World Impact Ministries. But I said, a little bit, you have to, whoever you know on Facebook, send them a GoFundMe or something. And you get a little bit to pay for that. And we're helping people because somebody has to believe in you. Do you know that's the greatest thing in the world if somebody believes in you? How many have ever experienced that somebody believes in you? Somebody trusts you. Somebody believes in you. Even the great apostle Paul, he had to have Barnabas and Ananias. Little Ananias, we don't even, not the guy who, you know, who died, but the other Ananias, uh, he, he believed in him. He helped him. Timothy, who is the greatest in the whole world. Paul said about Timothy, there's no one in the whole world like Timothy. That's pretty good testimony about your ministry. If you're one of a kind in the whole world, you're doing pretty good. Are you with me? And say, well, how did he get started? Well, he got started because Paul said, I need a co-worker. You guys know anybody here around Lystra? Town of Lystra? Anybody? I had this other guy, he ran home. It was too much for him. He's home and eating cookies with mama. His name is John Mark. Now, John Mark came back later on, but he said he, he was just homesick for mama. So I need somebody. And they said, well, here's a guy here called Timothy. He's, he's a nice guy. He's faithful. Okay, Paul says, come and join me. Let me just circumcise you first, kids, so we don't have to argue about that, even though you don't need to be circumcised for salvation, but it's just too much to argue about. So, so we fixed the circumcision part, and he's on his way. Isn't that beautiful? Are you, are you still all awake? I, don't, I know it's uh, Sunday afternoon, and you look like you just had too much to eat. You know, I know you didn't. All right. Well, praise the Lord. So, so help us. You know, we took, we took a second offering. I don't know if we'll do it today because I felt a strong urging this morning. I just shared it. And I, it wasn't really something that was on the schedule. The ushers didn't know it was coming. We received a second offering this morning at the end of the service for, for the uh, gospel library. Uh, that's more than $100,000 we're investing there and having a first class structure there and all the what we need. And uh, I said, somebody in our church, a dear sister is here. She gave a, a large donation. Otherwise, we haven't received. We just try to get a little bit here, a little bit there. But we need help with that. And so we plan to have that finished in five weeks. Everybody say five weeks. Okay, so, so this is not some future way down the road someday. We hope to. It's happening now. Amen. So anybody who wants to write a check for 10000 you can do that. And we'll receive that and put that into that. You think I'm joking. I'm not joking at all. <laughs> she said, thank you, dear Andy. She dear says, I know you're not. Okay, well, that's good. All right. Are you all happy now? Yeah. Well, so we want to, so we, maybe you need healing from Jesus. You need help from Jesus. So I want to share something about Jesus Christ to help you. There is a story in the Bible that have always intrigued me since I started in ministry, and I feel like I get more and more revelation on it the longer I, I go at it. You know, the miracle stories in the Bible, uh, they are literally they, they happen, but they also a deeper layered meaning in it, especially the story I'm going to talk about now because it's one of the few stories that appears in all four Gospels. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke 
have many stories that are in all those three, but not a lot of them are in John. But this is one of just a couple of stories that are also in the Gospel of John. So it really must be important. It must have some deep meaning. Are you with me? Uh, and so we look at that. And it's a story about Jesus' compassion towards people, Jesus' ability, Jesus' willingness to help people, and he's willing to do that for you. It's a story about bread. And you know, bread in the Bible is a picture of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the bread of life. Uh, bread is also a picture of healing because healing is the children's bread. And so it's a story about bread that was blessed, it was broken, it was distributed. So you may know where I'm going. I'm going to this famous story of the feeding of the 5,000. And we all know it. We heard about it in Sunday school. But let's look at this now, understanding that there are layers of truth and revelation here to help us today. And everybody know that Jesus Christ is the same today. Can I hear a yes to that? All right. So let's read it. I don't have PowerPoint for you. I just didn't want to do that today. We have to kind of do something different. So I read it. I'm reading the John, Gospel of John uh, description. John chapter 5, verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, there are a few people who still bring Bibles to church. So make sure you're friends with those. I see some in the front row. You may have to lean over now. And I hope you have good breath and everything so that you <laughs> lean over that, that they're not going to get upset with you. But otherwise, you have to just listen to me. I'm going to read it. Jesus lifted up his eyes. And seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where, Philip, shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this, he said, to test Philip. For Jesus himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread. Now, denarii literally means a day's wage, a day wage. So I'd say... If, 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 if someone makes $15 an hour, it would be like $120. And so 200 denarii would be something like close to $25,000 in our money, 200 denarii. He said if we had, if we had 200 denarii or, or $25,000 worth of bread, it's not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. So we know later on this crowd was big, 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So there could have been 20, 25,000 people. So we can see that there's a lot of bread needed. Uh, and one of his disciples, Andrew, so now another person comes into the story, Simon Peter's brother said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley lo loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people worship me for half an hour. No, he said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. That seems to be an important thing here. The amount of grass. Green, green grass of home. It's amazing the details that are included and the ones who are not. Everybody said the grass. It doesn't say whether the sky was blue. It doesn't say what flowers grew there. But they said there was a lot of grass. All right, so we have to take that into consideration. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. I suppose the women sat down too, but, but that's how they did it. They were a little prejudiced in those days, and so they can only write within the context of who they were at the time. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those who were sitting down. I suppose nobody would want to stand, because uh, the only ones who got bread were the ones sitting. 
Everybody say a key is sitting. All right, so, the, so, so it's really pushing that, that those who got the bread who were sitting, now they found it, I see here, okay. Smart people back over there. Ema, what are you doing to them over there? All right, okay, she is with it. So, so, so then it says, oh, now I almost lost my sport spot here. <laughs> and, and it says, as much, and, and they gave them the fish to those who were sitting, as much as they wanted. So there was no limit. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. So that was important. Nothing should be lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. You know, in some ways, what I'm saying, we have to look at this story for the deeper meaning because we generally in Canada don't need multiplication of food. I think we need a miracle of subtraction of food. Anytime I get to a place, we eat too much. We have too much. We, we, we just have too much food. There's always left over. There's always, uh, we don't know what to do. And then we feel like an inner need. I need to eat more to finish up. And then we get all very heavy. Come on now. So, so in that sense, I know I've been in situations where people do need multiplication of food. But uh, uh, that might not be our immediate need. So what is this talking about? Well, when I look at this story, I, faith is very important. We know that. But where is the faith here? Uh, the fact is that 5,000 men, and we presume the women and children, are all fed indiscriminately. It says they were all filled. They all ate as much as they wanted. Everybody was filled. So it was an indiscriminate miracle. Are you with me in that? Now, now that, that ought to make us think a little bit because imagine if they had been such as we do today, a prerequisite for this miracle. What if, uh, what if they said, well, uh, we, we're going to give bread to those who have been praying and fasting. We're going to give it to those who have really been breaking through in worship. We're going to give it to those who have been faithful. Surely in a crowd of 5,000 men, we can find someone who has fallen a little bit below the standard of faithfulness. Are you with me? Certainly, with 5,000 present, we could have found someone who was disqualified by the standard that we often hear about in today's church about miracles, that God will do a miracle for you if, if you've been faithful, if, you know, if you've done your part, if, if, if you have been worshiping, if you, certainly in a crowd of 5,000, we could have, without any special prophetic gift, have found some who were not worthy. Are you with me in that? But here it says, it seems to be no test. There seemed to be no examination. There seemed to be no prerequisite. It says they were all filled. They were all satisfied. They all ate seconds and thirds, we would assume, because they ate all that they wanted. So I want to say today, we are saying Jesus Christ is your healer. Now you can put yourself in this picture. Whoever you are, however qualified you feel you are, however unqualified you feel you are, Jesus Christ is your healer. If you feel like you've been a real good Christian, reading your Bible and praying and going to church, if you feel like, really, I've kind of been slipping a little bit, here you are this afternoon, and Jesus Christ is your healer. We are not doing a test. 
I am not a psychiatrist that's going to try to look deep inside of you and say, oh, there's something here from five years ago you haven't dealt with yet. Oh, I see something in the spirit here that when, uh, you know, you came down the birth canal of your mother, uh, your father had been drunk when you were, uh, uh, you know, at the time of conception and there's something there that's blocking you. I'm not doing anything of that. I believe in indiscriminative blessing. I, we practice indiscriminative favor from God. And so there's none of that going on. Just, just observe that. None of that. And, uh, and, and as far as the faith of the people, I don't see a lot of people kind of, oh, Jesus, can you, I brought some lunch here and, 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 and you know, I ran out. Can you just touch my basket here, Lord? Just give me a touch here. I don't see anybody. They seem to be fairly, they, they're hungry. Obviously, somebody's saying that they're hungry. And uh, it really shows that Jesus' disciples at this point, before they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, they weren't much to count on. All the disciples had in common, and I shared that this morning, was they had one thing in common. They looked at what they didn't have. And uh, Philip is the first one who was introduced. And, and, and he says, if we had 25,000 or 200 denarii, it wouldn't suffice. It would just give everybody a little bit. So he has a very natural mindset. He's thinking from a very natural point of view. It first says in 1 Corinthians that the natural person cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God because they are spiritually discerned. So he's only thinking in the natural. He's not considering God. And you know, there are many people today who are Christians, and it can happen to all of us, and we want to be Christians, we want to serve God, but we don't really consider who God really is. We don't consider that it is Jesus Christ who is the source of our faith. We don't consider Acts 3.16 where it says, this is the faith that works through Jesus Christ. We don't consider Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We don't consider that. We only consider, you know, how much faith have I got? A am I good enough? We only consider that, but, but we don't consider beyond that. We're thinking rationally. Andrew was of the same ilk. He was doing the math because when uh, he noticed the boy with the lunch basket, he, he said, you know, but uh, this is really nothing. This is, this is, this is nothing here. Uh, what is that among so many? So he's also thinking, uh, you know, just uh, uh, he's looking at the situation and he's saying, I, I can't figure this out. And you know, that is how, how life is. Faith, faith is, is a walk. It is God giving you faith in your heart and then you take steps in it. I say to people like this, if you want to be involved, let's for a moment digress. We talked about the Global Gospel Institute and ministry. Uh, uh, people say, oh, I would like to be involved, but you know, but, 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 but. Well, you know, welcome to the world of faith. Welcome to a world of believing God. And I say to people, if, if, you, if you can't believe God for the first little step, then maybe you shouldn't believe for the rest either. That's what I told these young guys. I told that to Dean. I told that to Jacob. They said, well, my campaign is going to cost, if I have to pay everything, it's going to cost so much. I said, well, if it's going to cost 20000 because they are having them in smaller towns at this point, or 15000 I said, well, you need to believe God for 3000 yourself. Oh, that's a lot for me. I said, well, maybe the whole thing is too much for me. 
if you can't believe God for 3,000 and I believe for the rest, maybe you shouldn't be doing this. Maybe you should be flossing your teeth or something. I don't know, you should be doing something different. Then you gotta, I mean, in the world I live, faith is necessary. It's just walking by faith. It's, it's welcome to the world of faith. What do you mean? I have to believe, I have to. Yeah, you actually have to believe. Or can you believe for me? I can, but I don't want to. I can believe for you, but I don't want to. I only want to believe so much for you because I want you to activate your faith. And then when you activate your faith, next time we'll bring you to a bigger city. And you have to believe a little bit more. And I believe a little bit more. And we'll keep growing it. Because I'm trying to teach people not just the principles, not just, you know, A, B, C, here are seven points, here are ten points, here are twelve points. I'm trying to tell them, this is the world of faith. You don't have a lot. But you step out, even when you don't have anything, you just have a heart that's full of love for people. And you step out with the little you have, or with the nothing that you have. And, and I met people all my life who say to me, oh, you know, I think we should be responsible you know, we shouldn't announce anything that we're doing this or that until we have all the money. Because what, what if we make an announcement, we're starting something. And you know, what if we don't do it, then we lack our integrity. I said, if I was going to live like that, I would be still living in the little village of 400 population in Sweden, uh, waiting, you know, in my little house there, I'd still be living there. Because I'd still be waiting. If I was going to have everything paid and everything ready. I, 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 you know, some people want everything ready. I've seen that my whole life. Oh, I want to do something for God. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to finance everything myself. And when I do that, I'm going to do Here they are 30 years later. They're too old to do anything. They're not too old because nobody's too old. I didn't mean to say that. But they, they really have 30 years they've been waiting. You see, there's a world of faith. Believe God. Step out in faith. Believe Jesus. Do something. That's kind of my message this morning. God is looking for partners. Do something. You know, give you five by two. I did my postcards. You have to start somewhere. Five cents a card. One nickel coming in. Here comes another nickel. Oh, hallelujah. The nickels are coming in. you got to start somewhere. That's the world of faith. But see, here Philip and Andrew, now they're going to have to, of course, after they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, things will change. But that's how it works. And the boy, let's look at the boy here. Now, at least the boy was available. Can we say that? He was available. There's no indication that he had a lot of faith or that he was saying, oh, I just want to give my five loaves of bread and two fish and I just want to give this into the gospel and I'm just believing to get 12 baskets. You know, I believe I'm going to take all 12 baskets home and I'm going to show the whole town I gave my bread to Jesus and I'm coming home with 12 baskets. There's no indication of that at all. Are you with me? But there is an indication that he was available. And you know, that's what I find. Some people think that there has to be some great faith or something. Make yourself available. Make yourself available. Say, I'm available. Here I am, Lord. Here I Send me. If that's the best you got, I guess you could find some better ones, but maybe they aren't willing. So, Lord, here I am. Send me. And he said, I'd be glad to take you. Because he doesn't send the qualified. He qualifies those he sends. Are you ready? He works with you. So some of the, I've seen some great talents. You know, when we had the Bible school here in Canada, now we're activating a little bit, I saw some great talents. I saw some mediocre talents. You know, the mediocre talents are doing more for the Lord than the great talents. Because most of the great talents, I can think of several of them, first little obstacle, oh, they just quit altogether. I'd rather have somebody a little bit mediocre or even, even poorly talented. But they say, God, I'm here, I'm available. 
I'd rather have a stutterer because God can heal from stuttering. Praise God. I'd rather have someone who stutters and fumbles and mumbles than to have someone who has all the eloquence and at first little wind gust, they fall apart. So I say, welcome to the world of faith. At this point, the boy was available. He's there. That's all. And I suppose they were looking around, and the Bible doesn't say in any of the stories how it happened, but Andrew noticed him, so thank God that Andrew had, had his eyes open. He noticed him. And the boy must have said, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, I'm available. But, but even that doesn't qualify for what we call faith, miracle working faith. So I would have to conclude that in this story, it is Jesus Christ who has the faith. Even when Jesus says to Philip, where shall we get bread for these to eat? He says he didn't say it because he was kind of at a loss for what to do. He says, for he himself already knew what he was going to do. So he was just kind of probing and making this a teaching moment to the disciples. So Jesus knew what he was going to do. Oh, you know, I just can't help but give praise to Jesus Christ. I want to lift up Jesus Christ. I want, to, I want to lift Jesus Christ up so that with your inward eyes you see he is great. He is awesome. My Jesus is bigger than my problems. The Christ who lives in me has all the wisdom, all the health, all the life, all the faith. Everything is in Christ. That's what we want to do. We lift up Jesus the Christ. Oh, thank God for it. But because, you know, Ephesians 2 is applicable here. By grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, freely given, so that no one can boast. So that's the first thing I want to establish, that the, it, it, it's, it's, it's Jesus here who, who is the source of the faith. Then, you'll notice by my intonation here when I was reading this, what was the one response requested from the people? There's only one thing they asked to do. They weren't asked to worship, to break through, press into his presence, you know, push, pray until something happens. They were not asked to do that. I know many of you have been asked to do that, and you've been pushing a lot. Some of you have been doing birthing prayers, like you men imagining a woman being pregnant, pushing out a baby. You're like, you know, I'm birthing the miracle. But here they were not asked to birth anything or push anything. They were just asked to do one thing, sit down. And he said, make the people sit down. Which infers they probably weren't totally willing to sit down. They were saying, no, I want to stand, I want, I want to stand. No, he says, make them sit down. It means he had to come, Peter, and just kind of, the disciples were get down. Sit. I want to stand. I want to, I want to be ready. No, sit. And then later on it says, the bread was given to those who sat. Oh, this is the biggest problem in the world, to get people to sit down. Now, I know physically you are sitting now, but I'm talking about you could be sitting physically and standing up on the inside. <laughs> you know, you're still shouting on the inside. You're still protesting on the inside. He says, make them sit down. Now, there must be something significant to that. Make the people sit down. You see, sitting is the position of faith. We hear a lot about standing in faith. And I suppose you could make an argument. 
walk by faith. But really the, the, where faith starts is where you sit down. You know, I did a teaching on the book of Ephesians. It's called Sit, Walk, Stand. It's basically the first three and a half to four chapters of the book of Ephesians is about sitting. We are seated with Christ. We are seated with Christ. We are sitting with Christ. And then the second part of it is walk, therefore. Because you've been seated with Christ, walk. And then the last thing is to stand. Stand in the victory that Christ has for you. Stand with, with, dressed in Christ. He is your salvation. He is your breastplate of righteousness. He is your prince of peace. Your feet are shod with peace. He is the author and finisher of faith. He's the shield of faith, etc. You've heard me teach about that. And so that also goes against how many people think. They think, well, first, first, you should start walking. And then after you have walked with the Lord, then you can sit down and rest on the other side. Down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. Then you, but, but see, Ephesians says it starts with sitting. That's very hard for people. Because it makes you feel like I should be doing something. What should I do to get the supernatural bread? What should I do to get my healing? Well, Jesus is the one thing is disciples make them sit. And then it says, and there was a lot of grass. You know, here's Revelation, there was a lot of grass. So in other words, it was actually soft sitting. I have been right there in Israel today, where this feeding, where everybody pretty well agrees it took place. And it's actually a beautiful place. There, it's very grassy, and there's a little brook flowing at the bottom of that. So it was very picturesque, very nice, very lovely. Just the kind of thing you want to do on a Sunday afternoon. You want to sit in that grass, look at there, there's Jesus, there's a little sound of a brook behind you. Come on. Isn't this beautiful? This is a picture of abundance. So what is this talking about? It's talking about stop struggling for your healing. Stop struggling for your blessing. The more you struggle, in my experience, and based on the scripture, the less you receive. The more I struggle for the anointing, the more unanointed I feel. The more I struggle for a breakthrough, the harder it gets. I used to think, oh, you had to push real hard. I push, 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 push. You got to push for the breakthrough. I, I've told you before, but it's a good story. It comes to me. Whenever I, when I talk about this pushing, pushing, I remember we had a Bible school student. And, you know, I used to have... When we had Sunday night services, I would give the Sunday night service to the students sometimes. I would pick out three, four of them to preach, and I would be sitting there cheering them on just to give them practice. And this guy, he was, he, he still hadn't got this about sitting down. So he was pacing. I could hear him because my office was next door to this area where people were pacing around. He literally spent the entire Sunday afternoon praying like a machine gun. He was, he was literally, like, sounded like a machine gun. I don't know if he was praying in tongues or in English, but he was kind of, and I would peek out and he was, he was going to speak for 10 minutes. He wanted to be so anointed for those 10 minutes. Like, I'm saying, how long is he going to go? I mean, at 1.30 he starts, at 4.30 he's still. And so then the service came, and poor guy, he did really bad. I think he was so exhausted that he, he just wore himself out. He had nothing left. He had ratatatata for five hours, and he was like, I, I need sleep. And they didn't have Red Bull in those days, I guess. At least we didn't have him right there. I mean, he was just, he was just passed out. 
but he, but the message, he thought that's what it's going to happen. So the more I find I can get people to relax. Hallelujah. Are you relaxing a little bit? Can you see the green, green grass of home? That green, green grass is the finished work of Jesus Christ. It means everything is done. The brook, as you can hear the brook behind you there, a little bit of water sounding. You are sitting there in the finished work of Jesus. You are resting. Why? Because after God had created everything on the seventh day, he said it's good, and he rested. He didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because the work was done. And then it says that Jesus went to heaven after he rose from the dead, after he defeated principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. He went back to heaven, and what did he do in heaven? He sat down. He sat down. Was Jesus so exhausted? Had we worn him out? Had he been perspiring so much? He said, I'm, I'm done with it. No, it was finished. He's sitting today. And this is Hebrews 8, 1 says, this is the main point of the book of Hebrews. You've heard us teach that a hundred times. Pastor Nathan taught it, I taught it. And people hear me teach it, and then they go on and teach it. It's a great thing. Here's the main point. Here's the main point. The main point, we have a high priest who is sitting down. That's the main thing. So maybe you can sit too. If your high priest is sitting, sit. See, standing means I'm looking for something. I'm like, I'm standing in faith. I'm like Sleuthy up here. I'm just looking to see what's, see what's coming down the pipe. I see what breakthrough coming down the pipe of God's glory here. I, I'm just standing for it. I'm standing in faith for it. Sit down. Because you're standing looking for something when actually what you have, you already have. Sit down. It's right there in the green, green grass. Oh, come on. Give Jesus praise. This is the hardest thing. It, because naturally our inclination is to strive for things. It, it's, it's hard for me. I mean, I want to make things happen. That's my nature. You probably noticed that with the way I'm preaching. I'm like, I, I want you to, I want to stir you. And if you look too sleepy, I, I, I say, what can I say that is truthful and controversial at the same time to shake him up right now? I need to wake him up. I need you to follow with me. That's my nature. So my nature, therefore, is not to lay down in the green, green grass. So I'm not talking about you becoming a passive. No, but inwardly, even while you can be very active on the outside, you're laying down in the grass. Let, let's go to, you know, when, when God made a covenant with Abraham, who is our example it says that after they had killed the sacrifice, which is a picture of Jesus Christ dying for our sins, and there was a smell of blood there. And you know, whenever there's a smell of blood, you can see if you go to a safari in Africa, you see suddenly where the, wherever the birds are going, that means there's been a kill because there's blood there, right? And so the, the, it says that when, when they had killed the sacrifice, Abraham had killed it, then... The vultures came down. It says in, in uh, Genesis 15, 11, when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. So, and then it says when the sun was going down. So Abraham was there, he's driving away these vultures because he said, this is a sacrifice of God. And it says when the sun went down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham. So here's what's happening. The sacrifice is there. The vultures are coming, and Abraham's instinct is, I want to protect the sacrifice. I don't want the vultures to have them. He's like, man, he's running around, flailing and jumping, and, you know, he scares off these vultures, but then some other ones came behind him. You know, that's how it is. 
I, I told you what, did I tell you about the time I was watching those um, uh, impalas in Africa? Yeah. Oh, I tell you, it's I, I watched these vultures. I, I, I saw a little, little tiny Thompson gazelle, and there was a shackle chasing it, and there was like uh, vultures at the same time. It was, it was incredible. Because the parent, the grown gazelles, they tried to shape, chase away the shackle with their horns, but as soon as they chased away, then the vultures came, and then they went after the vultures, and then the shackle came. And they were, I'm saying, they're going to get a heart attack. <laughs> See, that's how Abraham is going. That's how many Christians are. They sacrifice. Oh, here, here's another demon now. Oh, no, there's another one here too. Oh, oh, what else? oh, I forgot to pray. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot to worship. Too. Oh, oh, there's a spirit here. They're running around like this, chasing away what they think are their hindrances. But God says, a deep sleep fell on Abraham. Can I hypnotize you? No, I'm just kidding. Deep sleep fall upon Everybody say deep sleep. Then it says, when the sun was, went down and it was dark, and Abraham was in a deep sleep, there appeared a smoking oven. I think that's a picture of the Holy Spirit. And a burning torch. A picture of Jesus, the light of the world. And it passed between the two pieces of the carcasses. And that's how the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. Abraham is asleep. He's doing nothing. He's not fighting anymore. He stopped struggling. You see, I want to be very careful when I say this. That if a person is sick, if you're sick today in your body, naturally you are very eager to be healed. I'm not criticizing that. You hear me? I'm not, I understand that. You are eager. And if you think prayer can heal, and naturally, you are eager for prayer. Is that right? You, you want to get the attention. If it's me, you want me to pray for you. Or somebody else, you want to get the attention. I understand that. But I, more than understanding that, I want to help you receive healing. I want to help you receive. How many are willing to be helped? And I'm giving you this as a simple metaphor. Make the people sit down. Because when you sit down in the green grass, you recognize Everything is okay. Everything that's needed is right here. I'm here in a restful place. You see, that's where I see miracles happen. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I love to give my testimony. Seven years ago, two, seven years and two months ago, Jesus Christ healed me. Some of you were in the church. Many of you were in the church. You remember Pastor Nathan had appeared here. He says, oh, Peter, is, uh, he didn't say how bad it was. I told him, don't tell him how bad it is. Don't tell them everything the doctor said. We'll wait to tell that later. You know, they told me I could die and all that. And he fainted in the hospital. You've heard him tell that, right? Because when they told me I could die that weekend, I laid hands on him and said, you have to preach. And he passes out. He faints. And then Tina has to wheel him out in a wheelchair <laughs> to get him down to the cafeteria to get some strength for him. You know, they figured he was low on sugar or something. You know, it's quite a story. Don't we have a beautiful story? I love what Nathan does. It's true. And I'm behind there. I'm just, like the doctor said, you could die this weekend. We try to keep you alive. And I'm there like looking. 
and I see him standing there, and I kind of, with all my strength, I leaned out to put my hands on his hands. He was holding on to the bed, you know, like this. And they had just done tests through my body and said, this is far worse than we thought. So I'm kind of in that state. But I'm reaching out to just lay hands on Nathan there because he's there like with his hand. And I just, and he's, thinking, wow. You know, I don't know what I thought. Just gone. And, and the nurses and the doctors, they're all there like, oh, what is this, you know? So, so. Are you with me? That's exactly how it is. It a, don't we have a beautiful story? I think the whole thing is so beautiful. That's why we like to tell it so often. That's, that's how it started. That's how Pastor Nathan's ministry started, with him flat on the floor in the emergency room at the New Market Hospital. What a beautiful story. I mean, I just love it. But you have to, I, I have it always, he tells it a lot, but I have it to, literally that, I maybe took all my strength. I was just kind of moving slowly my hands, and I just barely touched them. I thought, ooh, that's such an anointing. <laughs> no, I didn't, you know, I don't think I had the power of mind to, to, to even joke to myself. I just saw him like, and I couldn't even raise my head, you know, when you're like, I kind of I try to, where did he go? You know, because you know, the bed was a little hot. Where did he go? <laughs> Are you with me? Oh, praise God. Don't we, we have good stories. I love our stories. This, this is what our God has done for us. Always, you want to tell again and again what God has done for you, what God has done for you. Now you have my version here. That's the truth. I remember where did he go? <laughs> and then, you know, I never had the surgery. You know what happened? Bill Clinton, former president Bill Clinton's doctor called me out of the blue, never talked to him before or after. Never imagined such a thing. Bill Clinton's doctor calls me, talks to me for an hour. I never tried to reach him. I don't, I don't really know how he heard about it. He heard, I think he heard I was a nice man. I thought... <laughs> Not everybody agrees, but he, he worked at the Cleveland Clinic. And only, I only knew who the guy was because I watched CNN uh, with this fellow called San, Dr. Sanjay Gupta has a medical program, and he, this guy used to be his guest. And that was his claim to fame. He was Bill Clinton's doctor. And he calls me up. I couldn't get the Ontario Health System doctor to talk to him more than five minutes. Here's Bill Clinton's doctor talking to me for an hour. I can't get him off the phone. I'm trying to say, thank you so much for your call. I'm trying to say, like, it's okay. You've told me enough now. He's giving me advice. Isn't that interesting? Oh, some of you looking at me. That's, never talked to him after that. I sent him a thank you note, but I never talked to him. Sent a thank you note to his wife. Because she hooked us up. I don't know how she heard about it, but she did. And uh, anyhow, are you still there? So I'm still... That was nice. Then I Googled Bill Clinton's doctor and I read all the bad things about him. You know, you Google people, you get bad things about everybody. So, you know, you have to kind of hedge your bets, right? I mean, people uh, were saying, you know, so I, you know, come on, I still have presence of mind. You Google people, you know, you find pluses and minuses. And some of them are terrible. But anyhow, uh, the Lord worked through that. And I was thinking about all that. And, uh, and the doctors were there. And uh, I was very respectful. You don't, you don't, because you believe in healing, you're not disrespectful to the medical science. You, you appreciate medical science. And, um, but what happened was this, the nurse came and she said, oh, she said, I, I, early in the next month, she said, are, are you looking forward to your surgery? I said, what a question. Are you looking forward to your surgery in two days? So I said, no. <laughs> and then, you know, I was, a little, I was a little cheeky. How many know you can be a little cheeky even if you're sick? So I said to her, have you ever heard of Bill Clinton? 
Oh, you mean the president? Yeah, I said, his doctor called me last night. He said, I thought I'm going to play with him a little bit. It was true, the doctor had called me. He said, now let's see how long it takes for the specialist to come to my bed. Sure enough, within half an hour, I had three specialists in my bed. You, you talked to Bill Clinton's doctor last night? See, they were kind of thinking, oh, this guy must be a big cheese or something. <laughs> so I, I was using it. I was playing with it. Are you with me? But that didn't heal me. How many know Jesus healed? But God can work in circumstances. I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but, but it's exactly what happened. <laughs> and, and so, you know, suddenly I, I had their attention now. Because, yeah, you know, they were like, no, no. I said, if you, if you were my brother, you'd have to have this. You can die. And so then I said, well, let me think about it for a day. I'm not happy. And then the next day in the morning, early, like four in the morning, I woke up. And I was literally in the green, green grass of God's love. I felt power go through. Now, I never asked Jesus to heal me because I said, Jesus, you know, that's not our style. I don't ask you to heal me. You're my heavenly father. You know what I need. You don't want me to lie here begging for healing. Like, that's not how we do it, Lord. I've served you. I've seen you do wonders. I'm not going to do that. It's not our, it, it, somebody else does it fine, but that's not our relationship. So I said, if you want me to die, I die. But I prefer to live. Really, truthfully, I prefer a whole lot to live. And so I said, you, you can do as you wish, but I'm here. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I wasn't going to go anywhere anyhow. And, and, and that morning, about 4 o'clock, I woke up, and there was like this beautiful warmth going through my body. Warmth. I'm talking about the green, green grass. Warmth going through my body. And I actually remember there was another person in the room on the other side. The nurse came in, and it was so beautiful. I was feeling such a warmth of God's love. And I could think about Christ being in there, the one who created everything, the one who upholds everything. He lives in me. He's right here now. And so the nurse came in, and she was fixing something. I said, I'm going to pretend I'm asleep, even though I'm right awake. So I pulled my cover up so that she felt she would think she wouldn't disturb me. I said, I don't want a nurse to come and stick something in my veins. They were sticking me all the time, sticking me and sticking me, you know. I'm, I would say, why do you just stick me so many times? Can't you just, you took enough blood last time? Can't you just spread it around, you know? And they said, we have to stick you all the time. So I said, I don't want to be stuck now. I'm here. And I just put it, and she left me alone. Thank you, nurse. Sometimes you have to leave the patient alone. You know, I didn't even think of bringing this up. And when I think of the green, green grass of heaven, that's the grass of God's love. I, it was finished. I didn't need to beg or ask God for anything. It's done. It's finito. What Christ has done is enough. And that, to finish the story, obviously, I told the doctors that morning they came, the same specialist who had come the day before after they heard Bill Clinton's doctor had called me. That kind of caused a little stir. Uh, they came the next morning. And they really said, you need to do this. I said, no. I said, I... I, I going to leave today. I will leave today. So you can't leave. I said, well, no, I know I can leave. Well, they said, we have to, we have, to have consultations. I said, well, why do you have to have so many doctors talk to me? He says, well, are you afraid that China is going to sue the hospital when I go home and die? Is that really the issue? She said, basically. They said, yeah, that you got it. <laughs> and so, so, so the, I, left, I left that day. I left. I said to them, anything I have to do, what do you do? So they said, well, you have to go down. Normally what we do, because you can leave if you want to, but normally we put you on the treadmill 
and you have to be on the treadmill till your heart hits 115 beats a minute. And if you can't handle 115 beats, we normally don't let you go. So I said, well, try me out. So I went down there to this treadmill. You know, nowadays I run quite a bit, but the, I was there, I was looking, it was going 90, 95. I was saying, oh God, help me, I need healing power. I'm walking through this. And I'm telling you, when it hit 115, I said, did you see? I'm done. I didn't say, I'm done. I'm out of here. Oh, she said, oh, she was just looking the other way. And they unhooked me. Thank God. And I went home. Amen. And the same doctors who seven years and two months ago called me, because I had other doctors who called me and said, you can never preach. Forget your international ministry. You can never preach again, especially never go to a country where it's really hot, where you don't have air conditioning. Well, they're now watching me on television do it. Praise God. But I'm saying to me, for me, this is, I, I'm having revelation because I, I never emphasized the green, green grass so much. And now I see that's, that's how, exactly what I felt. I was literally in the green, green grass of the finished work of Jesus. Oh, come on, give the Lord praise. How are we doing? Oh, we better quit here soon now. Uh, are you getting anything out of this? Amen. So I had some more scriptures, but we can leave it at that. Let me just say this. So faith was available indiscriminately through Jesus. Superabundant faith for all 5,000. No one had to qualify themselves. All 5,000 benefited without having to make themselves worthy. It was basically a buffet. Eat as much as you want. No one was counting the portions. That means if you wanted a second helping, you could. Also, I noticed here that Jesus is very up-to-date He's very much in the recycling program and not wanting anything to waste. He said, now, we don't want to waste any of the bread. Think about this. He said, let's get some baskets, like those blue boxes, you know, or something. Let's not put anything to waste. We want to use all the bread that has been multiplied. Oh, that makes me so excited. He is, he is, he, Jesus, everybody say, Jesus is anti-waste. He's, he's like saying, I have multiplied the bread, so just because everybody is filled, let's not waste it. Somebody pick it up in baskets and get it out of here and feed whoever you can along the way. Oh, I, I get excited about that. That means that Jesus, who is the bread of life, he, he carried your sickness. He took your pain. Hallelujah. He took our sin. He took our guilt. And he doesn't want anything of what he has done for you to go to waste. He doesn't want it to go to waste. He doesn't want the healing he has provided for you to go to waste. He doesn't want the blessing he has provided for you to go to waste. He really wants you to enjoy it because he's anti-waste. Let's not have some crumbs just fall by the roadside. Let's pick it up and put it to good use. And then, of course, I can't help but think, you know, these, these 12 disciples, none of them which had exhibited faith, Jesus is doing it. The boy has been available and it says, if you break it down, I've read it in all the four Gospels. It says, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he gave it, not to the people, he gave it to the 12 disciples. Now, if you've ever seen those fish, the Sea of Galilee fish, again, when you come to Israel, we'll have one of them. They charge a lot of money for those now. They're full of bones. I take you to a restaurant because people want to have Sea of Galilee fish. And they charge like an enormous amount because they know you're tourists. And we try to bargain, but they know... It's the boniest fish you'd ever tasted. So some people ordered just the fish burger instead. But if you come with me, just for the sake, because I realize every fish at the Sea of Galilee, when I take you there, is a straight descendant of the fish that Jesus caught when he barbecued. So it's a straight lineage there, so I won't eat the fish, even though they overcharge it. And so 
but they're not super big fish. They're about like this kind of fish, like the, not like a tuna. It's like about like this, full of bones, full of bones. And they fry it for you and charge you way too much. Are you with me? But you don't have to eat it. We can just give you a salad. Don't, don't worry. But if you want to eat it, and I always do out of a, some kind of a thing. I, I need to spend this money now. And, and, and you can always use the bones for a toothpick or something after. I don't know what. I mean, they're really strong bones. Little fish like that. And then, and then two of them and five loaves. To tw- even among 12, it's very small. Put a little bit, little bit here for Andrew. Little bit here for Philip, John, James take a little bit, Simon Peter gets a little bit. The person like, what's this? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> you know, probably one of them maybe didn't even get, probably got the tail. You know, not a very meaty part. Like, like what do I do with this stuff? Another one had the head with the eyes and the tongue hanging out and, you know, some, some, some fins or something. So like, what do I do with this? What do I do with this, right? See, see, isn't that a beautiful picture? Because he gave it to them. He didn't give it to the people, he gave it to them. He said, now you give it out. And, and I don't know how it would have looked to them, but they, they start giving it out. And obviously, the more they give, the more they have left. And so they say, you want more? Anybody want a second helping? Okay, here, this for you, this for you. And I, I don't know how they did it. Knowing what I read about Andrew and Philip, they these very rational minds, they were like, I don't know how they did it. Simon Peter was probably kind of excited because he's an excitable type. Judas was probably going, wink, wink. I'll give you two portions if you give me some shilling here underneath. I don't know. I don't know. But I know one thing. Here's a beautiful point of it. No matter who gave out the fish, the fish was the same and the bread was the same. It's not the preacher. It's not the distribution style. It's not, oh, I like the way, I like the way this guy prays. I like the way she prays. Oh, I like her style. No, no, it, 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 it's, do they have the bread? Are they giving you Jesus? Are they just giving you their own little made-up image? If you get Jesus, it's the same. It can come from a very quiet, very dignified person. Doesn't want to raise their voice. <laughs> but they're full of the faith of Jesus. So it can come from some excitable, Pentecostal, wild-eyed person who just came off of Grizzly Mountain and ready to, you know, it doesn't matter. As long as they have Jesus. But you see, it's the bread that matters. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I, I'm, I'm, I, I preach myself happy. Did you get something out of this? Let's all stand together right now. My goodness, I talked too long. I talked too long. Tyna wasn't here to cut me off. He could just give me the sign. Oh, thank you, Jesus. What a beautiful Jesus. What a healing Jesus I found in him. Oh, come on, lift up your hand with me. Jermaine, do you have that one ready? What a healing Jesus I found in him. Indiscriminately, indiscriminately making it available to you. I I worship you, Jesus. Lord, we are sitting now in the green, green grass. We're sitting in the finished work of the cross. We're sitting there in your finished work, enjoying the green, green grass. I thank you, Father. I thank you that there's no struggle. There's no great trying to make something happen by our own power because the flesh profits nothing, but the Spirit gives life. I worship you, Jesus. Go ahead and sing that word to me. What a healing Jesus I found in you. What a healing Jesus 
One more time, everybody sing it. What a healing Jesus I found in you. What a healing Jesus you restore, refresh, and renew your Jesus Christ, his indiscriminate healing miracle power is available for you. I tell you, people are being healed here today. And it's not that I have to single out and mention what you're being healed of. I'm going to share some things that God is putting in my spirit. But in no way is God limited in anything by what we say and not say he is here. And the only thing that could limit is if we are not willing. If we are saying, I don't want to. But otherwise, I tell you, there's no limitations. So we, we, we take that limitations that our own mind and our own unwillingness had attached. We take those limitations off. And I thank you, Lord, for healing life right now. Uh, something is happening to people in your breathing organs. There's at least three individuals, maybe more, that have had a very difficult time breathing, been very restrictive. And it could be caused by a number of things. I'm not a medical doctor. It's not my job to give a diagnosis. I can just tell you what I see. And I'm speaking right now. There's love and power on the name of Jesus Christ. And I say healing to your lungs, healing in your chest. Jesus Christ, the great physician, is healing you and restoring you right now. Right where you're standing, take a deep breath right now. And just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your healing power. Thank you for the healing power. Somebody is being healed in your heart. Just like Jesus touched me there. He, he, I was on the green, green grass of his love, and he touched me. He's touching you right now. Your heart is being restored. He's healing your liver and your kidney. In the name of Jesus, receive it right now. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. I worship you. There's at least three people, maybe more, who have been in an accident. You fell down, you hurt yourself, uh, and your body, you have to even favor a little bit how you stand, and you have to kind of lean a certain way, and, or, or when you sit or when you do something, you are conscious of that pain. And I announce to you that Jesus Christ took your pain. He carried your pain. Your pain has been put away. And Jesus Christ heals you. Lift your hand and say thank you to Jesus right now. I give you praise, Lord. You know, over some people here, not everybody, but a few people here, I, I see like a heavy burden on you. Heavy, heavy burden. And you have not been able to rejoice. It seems like you have lost your joy. It seems like you can't rejoice because that burden is pressing you down so much. Something is happening supernaturally. You see, 
You see, you can laugh in the middle of the problem. You can rejoice because your eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ. So I speak to that dark cloud to be dispelled. And we thank you for the light of God right now coming through in Jesus' name. Give the Lord praise right now. I thank you, Jesus. I give you praise. I give you praise, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing right now. Oh, I worship you, Jesus. Now, how many here in this room? I'm not asking if you're sick, just in general. But how many here in this room can say, what I'm facing would be best described under the headline of impossibility. If it's sickness, it might be incurability. That would be the headline. You're in that, there's something, you're going to have to live with this. That's it. You have to live with this. That's what the doctor said. There's no way out of it. I just feel a, a desire, and I believe it's from the Lord, to pray with you. You know, it's amazing. I can't keep track of everything that God is doing. A man, I wasn't there shaking hands this morning because I was so little time between the services, but the Sunday before when I was here shaking hands, someone just came and told me about somebody who had received a, such a powerful healing, and, and they were coming to our morning services from time to time, driving some distance. You know, God heals people. It's beautiful. If you're facing something that could come under the headline impossible or incurable, I want to lay hands on you in the name of Jesus Christ. So I want you to come and stand right here. If you say that, that what I'm facing is in that category of thing, incurable or impossible, because that opens up the door that it could be something that's not physically impossible. It could be something else that's not physically incurable would, would refer to something that we think of cannot be cured physically. It would more, more relate. It could be an emotional or a mental problem as well, but it's, it's mostly a physical situation. I, I want to lay hands on you in the name of Jesus. I tell you, the power of Jesus Christ is here. I want you to see yourself in the green, green grass. See yourself in the green, green grass. I wish we had a good song about the green, green grass of home. We have that one. We don't want to sing that one, you know, because uh, that's about some other kind of grass. But I'm telling you, there's something to be sung about the green, green grass of God's love, that you are resting in his love. I want to lay hands on you. And I such love. You know, God loves you very much. God loves you so much. I don't know why. I feel such a compassion of Jesus for people. You know, compassion is from God. Compassion is from God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come here, usher, church, because some people may literally find themselves falling over into green, green grass. In the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father. I thank you for the healing power. Yes, yes, Lord. I thank you for Jesus. Just lift your hand for a moment. Father, I thank you. I thank you for healing right through her body. I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus for health and life. I worship you. Another usher be here ready. God's healing power is upon you right now. Come here, my dear brother. For with God, now without God, things are impossible. But with God, his faith, his ability, all things are possible. So we erase that impossibility term and we say possible. We say yes. In fact, it's even easy. It's easy in Jesus. Oh, I worship. Sing it again, Jermaine. Sing it again. I lay hands on you in the name of Jesus. Impossible made possible. The healing power.
lift your head right now. Jesus, I thank you for your tremendous power. I thank you for the green, green grass of resting in your love. I lay hands on you now in the name of Jesus. Oh, it's powerful. Receive it. Jesus is touching you. Let that green grass of his rest and love embrace healing and life and impossibility erase in Jesus' name. Just go ahead and receive that. God's love is touching you. God's love is touching you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, praise God. Thank you for the green, green grass of your love and rest for her. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you touch her. Thank you for the green, green grass of your love. Rest in that love. Rest in his love. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I thank you for the green, green grass of the finished work of Jesus. Where we rest in that. In the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, for your healing power and love touching her. I thank you for my beloved brother. I thank you for that green grass of the finished work of Jesus, enveloping him in the name of Jesus. I worship you. Thank you for the green, green grass. Father, we thank you. I Thank you for Denise, Lord, right now, resting in what you're doing for that friend. In the name of Jesus, the green grass of the finished work of Jesus. Lift your hand and worship Jesus. He's your healer. He loves you. Oh, that's it. God's power is touching you now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh. What's that, the doctor? In the name of Jesus. I speak to that to cease and desist. We rest in the green grass of God's love. Green, green grass of God's love. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. give a big clap for the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let me just take one moment here. Why, why don't you, well, just keep standing for a moment. It's all right, unless you're too tired, and you can always sit. Sometimes I sit, because I just want to rest. You know, we don't judge you either way. But if you say, I believe Jesus Christ has touched me. Maybe when I was just praying, or maybe during this teaching itself, in the middle of it, you don't have to wait for the end, or when we laid hands on you, or when I was speaking about people being healed in their breathing, people have had accidents, I was speaking to hearts and kidneys, and I know, or maybe I didn't even mention it, but you say, I believe Jesus Christ has touched me, something has happened. Would you give just praise to Jesus by lifting your hand up as a signal, God has touched me this afternoon, that is so beautiful, that's so beautiful, so beautiful, God bless you. 
God bless you. Now, how many of you receive something physically in your body? What's God doing for you, Joe? Hidden. Beautiful. We give praise to God for that. How many say God touched your breathing, your chest, your breathing? Would you lift your hand up? Yes, my dear brother over here and you over here as well. Take a deep breath right there. Are you feeling all right? We give Jesus praise for that. Who, who, had, who had been in an accident or taken a fall of some sort and, and, and God, you believe Jesus? Yes, sir, in the back. God's touched you this afternoon. That's beautiful. What, what part of your body was affected? Your knee. Can you move your knee a little bit? Move your foot and knee there? Is that feeling all right? Is it? Yeah, he's almost scared to do it. Look at him, but he's doing it. Is, is that all right? Is there a difference there? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it says about the noble man, you look like a noble man, but it says about the noble man in the Bible, at that hour he began to amend. He began to amend. So there was a change. So that This is your hour. You're amending. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody else had some kind of an accident? Yes. What did God do for you? Wonderful. In your abdominal area, you feel God's power touching you there? Beautiful. Thank you for giving glory to Jesus. Somebody else, you say, I noticed God is touching me. Just wave your hand up, way up high, because it helps you to give praise to God. It, it just releases you, you know, plus we all enjoy hearing it. I, at least I do. I, I can't speak for everybody. I enjoy when you speak it out, and I think it helps you. So if, if God touched you, just wave your hand. Anybody else before we kind of, we, we, we kind of ran over time? Just God, what's God done for you? Your sight, your eyes have opened up. Beautiful. See, it was a bit of a cloud of difficulty. dark over your eyes. Is it all bright now? You see, does everybody look clear to you? Thank God for that. Amen. Anybody else? Just, plus, plus you. you. Right now, the power of God is going through that left leg there. Beautiful. Thank you for glorifying Jesus. Thank you. Anybody else? God touch you. Just, just wave quickly. Because we're going to finish up here, but we give praise to God. You may, you may just, uh, just take your seat for a moment. Take your seat for a moment. Thank you. First of all, just, just bow your head with me. You belong in God's family. You belong with God. Don't ever think that you don't belong. So if you say, I'm not sure that my sins have been forgiven, I'm not sure that I'm restored to God, then this is your opportunity right now. I, I w this morning we prayed with a number of people like that. And I want to give you the opportunity to say, I need to know my sins are forgiven. <laughs> I need to know everything is all right. And lift up your hand way up high. I'm going to include you in a prayer. Lift it up way up high if you like. God bless you. God bless you. Okay. God bless you. God bless you too. Okay. Let's just everybody pray. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for the green, green grass of your finished work. I rest in that. My sins have been put away. I am forgiven. Death has been conquered. Life is in me. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm forgiven. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big, big praise. Give the Lord a big, big praise. That's so beautiful. 
I think we're going to do the same thing we did in the morning. Forgive me. You know, uh, we try to follow the time frame, and I'm the worst one to break it. So I take, let's, if you are able to help us with this. We normally only receive a second offering on the last day of the month, uh, Sunday. Dean, do you have any of those? I didn't forewarn him again, didn't say. I just kind of go if I feel it's okay. We have a big need. I mean, we have a big need. And to finish that. And I'm walking by faith in that. We are going to finish it. I've already announced we're going to open it. Do we have the money? No, we don't, but we will have it. It's coming in. we got five weeks. It's coming in. And, and so things are happening this week. Uh, and so we're opening up that gospel library and study center. There will be beautiful, a beautiful study hall in there, nice chairs. If you bring your mitts and booties, in the winter, you can put them on a little little screen underneath your chair, so nobody will have everything arranged for you there. A little bit of a, you know, not too soft of a seat. Not. I was going to order from China. They had these, but you know, by the time it, it takes six months, I said I can't do it. I got to get something made in Canada. I wanted to do those, uh, but but we we love to order things from China. But but we had to do it right here. So but it's going to be a nice seat and multi-media center. You can just go in like you go to a tourist you know, center information center, you pull this earphone out of the wall and you can just punch in what video you want to see, all right? You can learn the history. We're going to show you the history of the gospel. We're going to show some of the things we're doing in our ministry. We're also going to connect it all with, with, with what happened in the early church, but we're going to tie it all in together, all right? So we're working on all of that, and it's going to be a place where you can be inspired, where you can, and so the cost is going to be over $100,000, I'm so grateful somebody gave $10,000. Can you imagine that without any appeal? Somebody came and gave $10,000. That encouraged me more than I can say, but I, I just believe God now. Somebody right here in this church. Somebody is here right now, but I'm not going to say who it is. You can guess. Are you guessing? <laughs> you know, okay. Anyhow, but we, we, we just need help because we want I want this to last for a long time. I want it to be a training center, and it will be the Global Gospel Institute. I will be bringing on certain lecturers from time to time that we will record. It'll be live teaching. Then we'll also go into our teaching library. We will reactivate the World Impact Bible Institute that we teach all over the world. We'll be able to teach that with many different teachers. I will bring in people uh, from time to time that I feel have an area of expertise. You do a Monday night seminar or Saturday seminar. You can participate. You can be trained. And this all becomes our library. I'm going to have things to stimulate you. I'm going to have controversial material there, oh. personally selected by me <laughs> to provoke you in a good way. It's going to be all there, all right? Amen? Now, you know, the, the ladies who came with me to Africa, am I not a provocateur all the time? We're just sitting there. We're just sitting in Africa eating chicken because that's all what they eat in Africa. They eat more chickens in Africa than I'm telling you. But anyway, they, it's just chicken, chicken, chicken every day. And I'm asking them questions. Theological questions. Is, is it true? I mean, I'm telling the truth. Yes, constantly. And so uh, this is going to be a center where you constantly, you're learning and growing. But the gist of it is going to be that Jesus Christ will be shining even more brightly for you. Amen. And so if you want to write a big check for 10000 we are very happy about that. If you want to write a check for 5000 or for $5 or for $50 or whatever you can help us with, we need help. And I just felt this morning, I wasn't decided I was going to do it. I just felt the people are ready to give to this. This is a great joy to reestablish this building here 
as a center for teaching and training gospel workers. You saw, you saw Jacob there, I explained to you. Well, he said, he, 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 I've trained him. I've told him, he'll he preach this. I've asked all of his questions. I've, I've sat with him. He's been in my seminars overseas. He had had that privilege. Now I want to give that to people all over. And then we want to help you, just like I'm helping him. Somebody has to believe in you. I always said this, you know, this was, you may be tired of me saying this, when I was 19 years old, there was a pastor here in this city, George Tanks, who went to be with Jesus many years ago. He believed in me. That is wonderful. He actually believed in a 19-year-old Peter Youngblood. And he put up a big tent on Dixon Road, and he invited me to preach for 15 nights. That was a little bit risky. It was. I was only 19. He believed in me. It's a marvelous thing. Paul believed in Timothy. Somebody has to believe in you. And I'm thinking a lot of people have a judgment call, but nobody believes in them. So I'm going to believe in them then. If nobody else will believe in you, I'll believe in you. So I want to, they really have to be willing to take the training. They have to be willing to be prepared. We're not going to just pick people out of a basket somewhere, but they'll be willing to be trained and be committed. And then we're going to say, I'm going to believe in you. Some of you looking at me like that. <laughs> well, it, it means money. It's going to cost money to help these people get started. Now, what Jacob is doing there, you see what he's doing there, right? That was his second time in his life he has done that. Now, he had to stay. I said, Jacob, you have to stand on your own two feet. I'm not going to be there to back you up. So if you're going to announce to the people that Jesus is going to open deaf ears, you better have the faith inside of you. Otherwise, keep your mouth shut. And if you keep your mouth shut and don't have the faith, the people won't shop the next day because they're not church folks. They only, come when, they only come if they see it's real. So there's nothing better than to teach somebody to swim by throwing them in the water. Yeah, swim, drown, do whatever. Maybe if you're drowning, I'll pull you out. But, but, but you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll test. You see, so I believed in him. Now he's smitten. He's bitten and smitten both. You know, it's like, you fall in love, you can be smitten, but when you get bitten, that's something else, you know. Then you got a mark for life, all right? Some of you only been smitten. But now he's bitten and smitten both. And, and he can't do anything else. He just wants to do it more. He wants to reach more people. So I know once I get the bug in people, then, you know, it's, it's when I, once I, I put the bug in them, then I don't have to do a lot of pushing after that because they're pushing me then after that. But that's what we want to do. We want to believe in people. So people can say, oh, you're asking for money. Yeah, I'm going to keep asking for money until Jesus comes, until I die, or whatever happens first. I'm going to keep doing that. I'm not ashamed of it. We want to send people out. We want to take the whole world for the gospel. Amen. And this is going to be a nerve center here. So would you help us? I don't know. How else can I say it? Dean, can you say it any better than this? You're such a good communicator. You're happy with what I said. I need people to give big. I want you to give big. This is the time to write a big check. You need to bring your credit card. Maybe you say, I'll leave it in the car, because who knows he's going to ask for an offering. Well, you know, people sometimes do that. Well, I better leave it here, honey. Let's leave the wallet here because you never know. You never know what if God moves on me to do something. I mean, let's leave it. Let's leave it in the glove compartment. Come on, friend. This is the gospel. Can, 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 give those envelopes out, Dean. Where's Dean? Now disappeared. He comes and goes. He's like, comes and goes. Did you get the red envelope? Did he give them out yet? Did he give it? They've been passed around. Okay, that's fine. He's trying to run the youth service and here he's back and forth. And let's pray right now. Father, I thank you. Let this, let this be something that you spoke in my spirit that we would expand. And this is now. We've taken the step. There's going to be so much happening here. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for people being equipped and trained and being inspired. Uh, for a room that is going to be there dedicated to inspire people to great accomplishments and exploits. I thank you for it, Father. 
in the name of Jesus, I give you praise. Amen. Amen. And like I said in the morning, there's women coming along. It's just, just going to be men doing this. There's women we're sending out. I have people now in Indonesia, Africa, Asia. We're going to have Chinese co-workers. We're going to have Filipino ones. We're going to have all kinds of ones. But no Christian meeting. I mean, just Chinese and Japanese. No, but you know what? I'm joking a little bit. That, never mind. Of course, we're going to have Christians. Don't, don't worry about that. But let's just, let's just give right now. Come on. So did everybody got the envelope? Make your check out to Toronto Celebration Church. It's all going to go into this now. So it's going to be transferred right into this account. Not going to go to the regular account. Look at Brother Brian Boala. He's here ready. He looks like he's eager to come and take the offering and put it there so we can get it deposited. Uh, Maria, you're there. You can handle this. You can go there with your debit card. All right. Let, let's just give right now. Make out your checks right now. Let's give in the name of Jesus and let's rejoice. And then go home and take this with you. I'm in the green, green grass of God's love and the finished work of Jesus. Rest in that. And if you, if, you, if you feel like you get jumpy, make yourself sit down. Make yourself sit down. Come on, let's pass the bucket right now. Go ahead and sing for us here, Jermaine. Oh. 